All right. So we've been talking about um, relationships and, um, you know, whether it's with God, with each other. Alexis really covered on a, a three, the three things that we are really been covering on is um, relationships with others, relationship with God, and, and a relationship with ourselves and what that entails. Um, but have you guys ever had someone say to you, oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do this for you and I'm going to take care of you and this, and then they just never do it? Everybody raise your hand because they've all, if you have a spouse, raise your hand because you've done that. If you've ever had a spouse, raise your hand because they've done that. If you ever plan on having a spouse, raise your hand because it will happen. So a lot of times we, we get frustrated with that. It's like, well, why didn't you do that? Well, you, you weren't, you didn't care. You don't care about me. You didn't think about me, you know, whatever it was, um, but there's a lot of promises that never get fulfilled by people we know, um, you know, off-the-cuff comments that were like, well, why did they say that? Um, an invite you never got to an event that you thought you should have been invited to, um, a reply to a text that's never been, uh, you know, you send a text and nobody ever responds to you. Um, I'm actually talking about myself here. Um, yeah. Um, no, I'm not asking for forgiveness. Um, anyway. But... Here's the thing is all these things, you know, people not responding to you, not inviting you to things. We like, well, why did they do that? I'm upset about that. And, and we have some right to be upset about that. But it's not vindictiveness. It's not disinterest. It's not self-centeredness on people's parts. What it is is thoughtlessness. It's thoughtlessness because we get going in life and we, we're like, oh yeah, we're gonna, we talk to this person, we talk to this, we do this, and then we forget about things. Because we, it's not that we're, oh, I don't like this person, we're, we're, we're aiming our um, missiles at this person, thinking, I'm going to do this to, to make them hurt. You know, I didn't send them a text back just to make them angry. You know, who does that? I mean, okay, we're not going to get into that. Um, but if you have the mind of Christ, you don't do that intentionally. You know, it, it's, it's thoughtlessness. Se- 75% of what we do, we put thought into. There's another 25% of our lives that just kind of rotates around us that's thoughtlessness. And we don't really realize that, it, that we're doing it, but we just say things to people and we, and we oh yeah, we'll, we'll do this or we can do this. And, and, and then we don't do it. We, we forget to do it or, or life gets busy and we're like, oh yeah, I was going to do that. And what happens is, is that 25% in our human nature to that other person seems like 75% of them not doing this or doing this on purpose. You know, we look for affirmation, we look for value to be wanted, to have meaning. We look for that in our lives. We all, we need that in our lives. We're designed that way. And when it doesn't happen, it triggers that the thought, a thought in our head that that person's thoughtlessness is actually Rejection. Um, we're pre-wired to have a relationship with God. God designed Adam, Adam and Eve to have a relationship with Him. Um, so when we look at the actions of others, it, it's not that they're 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 
honing in on it, saying, I'm going to jab them and I'm going to get them and I'm going to hurt them as much as I can. What it is, is it's our lack of relationship that causes the, the, the feeling of rejection in us. So our affirmation, um, when we don't receive that, it causes a lack in us. Because what did God do? He created the garden, he created man, and then he continued on. But then he said, what did he say? It's not good for man to be alone. And, and he wasn't saying man just as a man and a woman. He was saying it's not good for a human being to be alone. God was saying that not everything I have is enough for man. So he's saying that I, there's something that I can't fulfill in a human being that that other person needs to, to be. Because that person is never going to fully look to God to fulfill that. He can fulfill that, but he, they're ne- he's never going to be able to because that's why that other human being is there. God, is look, God created other people to create in us something that we, he, we would never seek out in God because we were never, after sin, we were pre-wired to look to another person for affirmation instead of looking to God. So we're pre-wired for connection. So when rejection comes, if we do not have, know how to process it, and we don't know what's happening, we need someone to think about you. you, you so that rejection comes and, and it's like, okay, well, why do they do this? We, we, we overanalyze everything as humans. Well, why'd they do that? Well, they didn't invite me to this and they didn't call me back on this. And oh my gosh, I can't believe they said this about me. And it's like, it, it, half of this stuff is made up in our head. We create scenarios as human beings in our head that didn't even actually happen because someone forgot to invite us to something. And they're like, oh, well, well, maybe they think about this and maybe they said this and maybe they didn't like me because of this. Stop. When someone forgets to do something, it's not because they're rejecting you as a human being. It's because sometimes as human beings, we drop, we drop the ball, we forget, we do things. And it's not an excuse, but it's who we are as human beings. We're not perfect. We're not God. You know, we live in a bubble to an extent. And about 10 to 20% of what we do is thoughtlessness in our own lives. We don't try to, to you know, well, I'm going to send Nicole a text and say, hey, I hope you have a good day tomorrow. Tell her that and then be like, hope you have a crappy day. You know, <laughs> we're not wired that way. We, uh, most people don't intentionally do something to harm another person. What happens is in our, in our messed up brain, because we need affirmation, we need acceptance, we, we, we think that way. Well, why didn't they do that? And so that affirmation has to come from a person who is always thinking about us. We need someone to think about us night and day. We're really needy as human beings. I'm just saying we are. If you don't think you are, you're probably the neediest person of them all. Um, but we need to think, have someone to think about us night and day. Our affirmation, promises kept, should come from the most mindful person in the universe, and that is our Father. He remembered the promise of Abraham to the, his people 2,000 years ago. If you guys turn to uh, Luke 1, 
145, or excuse me, 146. All right. So this is when the angel visits Mary. She's telling her this incredible story of how the Holy Spirit has impregnated her and she's, gonna, and she's a virgin and she's going to carry the, the, the hope of humanity inside of her. And Mary says this, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in the, my God and my Savior. Savior excuse me, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now now on, all generations will call me blessed. The Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away. He has helped His servant Israel, remembering remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So Mary is rejoicing that God has fulfilled his promise in her, through her, 2,000 years later from when he told Abraham. She's like, he is mindful. Now, he's just starting to think about me. He says he's been mindful, which means he has been thinking about his people. He's been thinking about what he is going to do from the moment he promised Abraham to continue on through her. So we look at that and it's like, okay, he remembered his promise to Abraham. That means he was thinking about his people. He was thinking about the the generations. He was thinking about every generation from when he promised Abraham until the end of time. That shows you that he's, he's really thinking about us. And what's really cool about this, that scripture I just read you, Mary actually turned it into a a song. And it says in some translations, it says Mary's prophetic song. And and what she was doing, she was declaring the works of the Lord over her life. You guys turn turn to uh, Psalm 136 real quick. I should probably go there too. All right, so I'm not going to read all this, but I want you to... uh, Look at this. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. He who made great lights, His love endures forever. The moon and the stars to govern the night, His love endures forever. Who struck down the firstborn in Egypt, His love endures forever. That means He is constantly thinking about you. He's constantly saying, Okay, what are they doing now? How can I help them? What can I do to be part of their life. He is not a God who is lax in his job. He is not a father who is, yeah, I'll show up and do what I need to do when I have to, and then just, you know, show up once once in a great while. So, how, how do we take the the that thoughtlessness in people and not turn it into rejection. Rejection is always hard to deal with. You know, we've all been rejected in one way or the other, but 
what happens is, is when, when we've been rejected one time, it, it leaves something planted in us that we don't realize until the next time we, we feel rejection or we think there's rejection, and, and it rises back up inside of us. You know, and you get rejected as a young child by somebody, you know, a friend or somebody who you, you would like to, to be friends with or, or just be part of a group, and you get rejected, it hurts. And then it goes away. And then when you get back into high school or another time down the road and you get rejected, all of a sudden it's like, boom, it rises back up. But it's been a seed that has been planted in us since the fall of man. Because Adam and Eve sinned, God had to put them out of the garden. But what they, t- what they took that as is rejection from the, the living God. It wasn't rejection and God saying, oh, you're just horrible people, kick him out. He, he did that. He moved them out of the garden, not to reject them because he didn't love them. He moved them out for protection. Because I believe if they had stayed in the garden, they would have experienced eternal death. Because they, were le- they would have been left in, in with the tr- uh, tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I believe they would have tried to fix it. Well, if we eat another apple, maybe it'll fix it the other way. But God didn't reject them. He, he pushed them out because he knew that if I push them out, I can have an eternal plan for man that I can redeem them in the long run of things. We need to allow thoughtlessness and the lack of affirmation to push us towards the Father who, who affirms us in everything. Who's always there saying, I love you. You are amazing. Who, op- come, uh, who stands there open-armed to us and says, I love you, you are my son, you are my daughter. Come into my rest. He's the only one that can actually give us the affirmation that we need in our lives. Because there's times in our lives where we're like, well, why am I here? Does anybody even like me? Am I good for anything? And we've all had those thoughts in our life. Whether you realize it or not, you've had those thoughts in your life. And, and we, we need to come to the Father who, who affirms us and says, you have purpose, you have um, a, a place in my kingdom, you have a place in my house. He's the only one that can tell you the things that you need to hear to feel confident in who you are because of Him. We, we, try to get, we try to get the world and people around us to, to, to build us up, but it really isn't their job. Their job is to encourage you to go to the Father who affirms you and builds you up in all things. So when we, we look to people for affirmation, we look to people for purpose, it, it, it falls flat, and then we become angry with them, and we, we become bitter. And what happens is then we feel rejected, and it's like, well, why did they reject me? No, it's, it, it, they can't do the job that God is supposed to do. So we have to quit looking to man to do God's job because it becomes idol worship and we look towards a person to become the God for us instead of God who is all-sufficient in everything to be our source. But we, we, go, to, we go to our spouses and we go to the, the people around us and we go, oh, I just, if they, if they uh, are mad at me, I just, my life is going to be messed up and I, I can't do this. And I, I, we go to people for relationships that and we draw from them too much because God is, is the only one that should be our source, not the person who is around us. So we're, drawing too mu- we're trying to draw too much out of them 
in our life. And God's like, okay, I need you to draw from me because I am the source. I am never ending rivers of living water. It's not a river. It's not a, a creek. It's rivers. So when we go to someone and say, oh, well, I need affirmation from you. What happens is, is you draw from their source. And you draw what they can contain because we are all wells. And we only have so much. So what happens is I go, if I go to Sarah and say, you need, to, you need to, this and I need this and I need this and I need you to be not, you know, say all these good things to me and I know you need you to tell me that I, I have purpose. What happens is, is after about five minutes, she's going to be like, leave me alone. And yeah, yeah I'm being generous because my wife has uh, patience um, <laughs> and gentleness uh, and, and self-control and so if I go to my wife and constantly be like, please tell me I'm good. Please tell me I'm this. I need you to tell me this. I need you to tell me this. She's going to be like, you need to back off because you're annoying me. Come on. Because what's happening is I'm drawing from her, but she's only got so much in her. But we need to go to the father who is a, the source of everything, everything good, and who puts rivers of living water inside of us. And we need to go to him because he is the source of those rivers. And we need to go to him and draw from him instead of drawing from a human being. Because what happens is when we draw from a human being, about five minutes later, I'm going to feel angry at her because she's rejected me. And she's not telling me what I want to hear. And she's going to tell me, will you quit, will you quit that? Quit breathing. Um, it's a joke. You guys, have, you can talk to us later about it. But I, she's, going to, she's going to be frustrated with me because I'm trying to draw something from her that I can't that she cannot give. And, and what's happening is, is I am now drawing from someone and now this becomes God. This now becomes my source of everything in my life instead of the Father who is the source of everything in my life. He is thinking about you. He is your source. We have, all have moments in our life right along we ask ourselves, does anybody care about me? We've all been there. We've all been there. Does anybody care about me? Does anybody really see value in me? And he sees value in you. He sees something in you that we don't see. So what happens is, is this, is when we ask that question and then we go to this person, oh, does anybody care about me? And we're trying to draw from this well for five minutes. And, um, and, um, the well is empty, then what do we get? We get bitter water. And so what happens is, is we need to go to our source. Our Father, the, He is the river. He has rivers of living water that flow through Him to us so we can have that. We need to go to Him and say, that is my source. Father, who am I? Tell me I'm good. There's times where I go to God, I'm like, am I good for anything? And He says, yes, you are. There's moments in my life where it's like, God, I'm struggling with this. What do I do? And you go to him and he says, this is what you need to do. Because he is our source. He is mindful of us. He is aware of us. He is always thinking about us. He's the one that can tell you what you need to hear. He's the one that can tell you who you are. Think about it this way. My wife's replaying this real quick. Um, 
So I call my wife, what, five times a day? I just call her, you know, a couple times a day. Higher, I don't know. I just call her or text her and just be like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? How the girls doing? How's your day? And I just call her, and she probably gets annoyed after about the fourth call. But I call her because I care about her. And I want to know how she's doing. I want to make sure that she's okay. I want to make sure that she's having a good day. And after about the fourth phone call, she says, I'm busy. I got to go. Okay. I love you. Have a good day. And click. And then towards the end of the day, hey, I, I usually call her about an hour after the girls get home. How was your day? How are the girls doing? They have good days? Good. Okay. And then I just say, okay, it sounds like you're busy. I'll call you when I get out of work. Click. But think about this. God is... Say you had a direct line to the throne of heaven and there's a phone right there. And you're on your phone and you're having one of those days and God's like, hey, how you doing? I love you. Talk to you in a minute. Five minutes later. You know I love you? Do you know you're awesome? Do you know that you have purpose? Do you know that you are blessed? Do you know that you are the most amazing person I've ever created? Do you know that you're this? Think about that. That's how God is. We have a direct line to heaven, and it's, and it's, it's a relationship with Him. We can talk to Him, but that's what He's doing. But we have to tune in to Him. We have to understand who He is, and that when we... Not only when we need to go to him for that, but he is constantly saying that over us. It says that he sings over us and he, that he, he hovers over us and he's, putting, and he's dropping these things into our head. But sometimes we don't hear it because we have to retune into who he is and not what the world and not look for what the world says about us. But can you imagine that, that you know, if you had a phone and... It was God calling you. You would never get off the phone because you'd be on there for 24 hours and he'd just be saying, this is what I say. This is how you are. This is who you are. This is what I think about you. Because he is the source. I can only give you five minutes of that. My wife cannot stop playing videos. My wife is really technologically challenged. Um, I'm going to get her one of those... um, Jitterbug phones um, with, the, with, with the call home buttons. And, um, but, but think about this. I can call my wife and talk to her for five minutes. I might talk to her for 10 minutes the entire day. But it's just the, the checking in. But she can, it's only five minutes. We can only get so much from a human being before we have to go to the Father. And the Father says, I can give you everything you need 24 hours a day, sending it to you constantly, boom, boom, boom. It's a direct line to Him. But what we've done is we've dialed into the human part of it and say, I need to go to this person, this person, this person. I need to find out who I am from you. If I have value from you. And it doesn't work that way because they only have value for you to a certain level. But the Father has value for you so much that He sent His Son to die for you. So what, we ha- what happens is we, get, we feel like rejection is coming. 
Oh, they've rejected me. No, it's not that they've rejected you. It's that they can't supply you with everything that you need. And what happens is that rejection turns into offense. And 75% of the stuff that you get offended by is really not stuff to get offended by. That 75% is just a heart condition that you're looking for someone else to fulfill your needs. It's the heart condition. 25% of what they've done, yeah, they may have said something that offended you, but the rest of it is your heart and how you receive what people say. It's not the person who said it to you. So I heard this really good analogy, and the guy was referring to um, uh, soccer players. And he said when a, when a soccer player is out on the field and he runs into someone and, or someone runs into him or he gets, and he's down, he's hurt, and he's laying on the field, and, and he's hurt. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, he's hurt. And, and they get the little uh, golf cart out there with the, with the little stretcher, and they come out, and they... And they they pick him up and they put him on that stretcher and then they put him on the back of the, the little golf cart thing and they wheel him out. But what do they say after that? They say he's injured. And then they take him back to the doctor or they take him to the hospital. And what do they say after he's in the hospital? What happens when you get hurt and you go to the hospital? What do they say? After you have a surgery, what do they say? You're in recovery we're all going to get hurt in our lives we're all going to be um, wounded by someone we're all someone's going to say something that's going to hurt us but what happens is is it's not a rejection by someone it's that they their uh, words wounded us whether it was intentional or not intentional but our heart was wounded So we can, we can go on wounded. So when someone says, well, they just hurt me. Well, what happened? Well, three years ago, someone hurt me. <laughs> so you're, you're still hurt. So you're still laying on the field with a broken ankle. And, and you can't, you, you, the game's over. They've played 600 other games and you're still, uh, I'm hurt. And you're, you're pulling yourself across the field, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. No, we've got to move on past the point of, well, I was rejected and now I'm hurt. We have to move to the point of, I was hurt, I was injured, and now I'm recovering, or I have recovered. Because we got way too many people who are hurt that we're dragging along. Jesus is like footprints in the sand, and I got two of you by the hand, and I'm dragging you along because you can't. You can't get up and walk. But Romans 8, 28 says that all things work together for the good of those who love him. So that hurt that was happening in your life, that rejection that may or may not have happened because you're, you're a little, little sensitive, um, that, that rejection that, that, or that, that actual hurt that turned in your life can't define who you are as, your walk, as who you are in Christ. We have to allow faith to cover us and take and turn what was hurt to, into all things work together for good. Yeah. The rejection that was there, the hurt that was there, is now worked into something that is 
made together for good. But the hurt that, that you have was probably thoughtlessness by someone else. Oh, I just, they, they said something to me. They probably didn't even realize what they said to you. Because we say things to people that we don't even realize. We're, you know, we're busy, oh, or we're arguing about something, and you're like, oh, I said that to you? Oh, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I didn't mean to say that. So we can be hurt. And we will get injured. But we need to recover. Staying hurt means that you're not healthy. Staying hurt means that there's something wrong with you and you're not able to continue to go on. I need three people. Um, Layla. Yeah, Layla will work. Um, And Jared. um, Jordan. And, well, nope, I need one more. I'll take Eric. All right. So let's move this out of the way. We're, gonna, we're going to enjoy this. Well, I better not. Mel won't be able to see. <laughs> okay. So I need you guys to stand here. All right. Right here. You, no, no, you, right there. Right there. There we go. You right here next to him. All right. Lock arms like you're happy. Um, all right, Jared. Next to him. Okay. So I need you to circle around right here. Okay, so Layla's hurt, and someone said something really mean to her. I said, you don't look like me. And she's like, (laughs) so she's upset, and she's offended at something I said. So, all right, stand right here. So what you guys are going to do is this. Every time she turns, you're going to move with her. So Jared, hand right there, right there. So when she turns right, you turn right. Yeah, you're going to turn. Move. Okay. Now turn. Keep moving. Move forward. Move backwards. Okay, so stop right there. So what I'm saying is this. Is if, if offense, if she's become offended, this is the wall of offense. And what this does is it blinds everything. So if Jesus is saying, come with me, follow me, let's go on, she can only see through the, the fence of a hurt. And, and a so what happens is, is this, is now that she's offended, it doesn't become, well, I'm hurt by someone and I need, sorry, I'm fixing her hair for her. <laughs> um, now that she's offended, she's not, it's not just, well, I'm hurt and I'm upset. It's now, I'm so angry at that person that all I can see is through this. And so it, when Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to come with me, I've got a destiny for you this way, all she can see is the person that hurt her. So every time she turns is... Okay, you can... Okay, so stand right there. So what she does is this. It's not, it doesn't become hurt. It becomes anger, bitterness, and hatred towards that person. So what then she needs to do is say, you know what? I forgive that person. And then she repents. So when she repents, what happens? A repentance means to turn from. So when she turns and repents and forgives that person and repents for her anger, bitterness, and hatred towards that person, she now is leaving offense behind her and she can walk where Christ wants her to walk. So, okay, thanks guys, I appreciate it. So what happens is, is now, get back over here, girl, is she now can see clearly of everything that is going on. She can see where Christ is seeing her and the hurt 
the person who hurt her, the offense is now behind her and she's let it go because now she's seen through Christ's eyes. And she doesn't have to say, okay, now she doesn't have to look through the offense and the hurt that that is. So what happens is, is when, we, when we're so offended at someone, that wall goes up and all we can see is through that wall of hurt. So we don't see, okay, Christ wants me to go here and he has this destiny for me because that offense will keep your destiny from, coming, from you coming to your destiny. It'll keep you from walking into your destiny because it's constantly moving in front of you. So all you see is life through the eyes of offense. Destiny is on the other side of the wall, but offense and unforgiveness will hold you in the same spot your entire life. She can move around, but it'll keep her in the same spot. She's constantly moving with that wall. And so what happens is, is when we repent, it breaks that wall down. It breaks the stronghold of offense in our life and allows her to see through the eyes of Christ. It allows her to see her destiny and not through the goggles of offense. So because it has gone past her into anger, hatred for that person it causes us to then to sin. It, it goes past, oh, I was hurt. Well, yeah, you're hurt, but now you, you got to start. Okay, you were hurt. Now you're injured. You're, you're you know but you've got to get to that point of recovery. Jesus said, said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And I was reading some scripture and it was talking about that. He didn't say that one time. This was something that Jesus actually was repeating constantly through the moment that he was taken into captivity, or excuse me, was arrested and brought into captivity as a a, um, criminal to the moment that they were getting ready to, to um, at the moment that they were casting lots for his robe. It said that he was constantly saying that, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Here's the thing. Most of those soldiers didn't know what they were doing. They were just fulfilling an order. Their leader said, do this, they do that. So the, the, it wasn't that they were thinking about, well, I'm going to murder the, the, the living Savior of, of the world. No, it was that I'm, I'm doing my job. When my, my commander told me to nail a criminal to the tree, he was doing that. Is it that they, Roman soldiers had no thought. They were commanded and they did what they did. If you, talk, if you listen to the story of the centurion, he goes, when I am commanded to do, I, I go, I go. And when I tell them to go, they go. All they know is orders. So, sometimes people's thoughtlessness causes a hurt in us, and it has to be let go of. When we forgive an offense that is committed against us, we're doing the same thing that Jesus was doing when he was being nailed to that tree. We have to be in that mindset of, Father, forgive them. They may have not known what they've done. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When we sin... That is against our nature as a, as a child of Christ. As Christ lives in us, that is against our nature. Um, it, it is human nature. But Paul says, I, go, I love it because he says, I, I get up daily and, and I, I crucify myself. But Paul, Paul also talks about, he says, I beat myself into submission. I, I force my body into submission. He goes, my spirit forces my body into submission. Some of the translations basically says he, he would... Uh, 
beat himself like this if to, to get himself into to get himself into submission his mind was willing but his body wasn't here's the thing when that when that person says something and, and whether it was wrong or right or whatever and we take offense to it we get hurt by it it leaves a mark offense will uh, the, the, something committed against us will leave a mark on our our hearts they leave a mark, but as children of God, those hurts do not leave us disabled, handicapped, crippled, or as an invalid. Do not let bitterness and offense be, excuse me, do not let hurt turn into bitterness and offense. Because they cripple you from moving forward, but forgiveness will bring healing. forgiveness is so powerful people don't even realize it. Well, I can't forgive them. They they did this to me. But you know what? When you forgive them, it allows Christ to heal you. Because what happens is is with with, um, bitterness, it's basically saying the offense that you've done towards me, I'm going to hold on to it because it's not redeemable. It's not forgivable. So what you're saying is that sin that they've committed against me is bigger than what Christ did on the cross. That sin that they committed against me is bigger than the blood of Jesus that covered all sins. That thing they said to me, it holds more weight than the blood of Christ in all of eternity. Jesus said, you know what? I've come to bring life and bring life more abundantly. So forgiveness brings abundant life to you because you're releasing something that is holding you back. The person doesn't even remember that they've said that to you. But you, you've, you've held on to it so long that, that you're, you're literally withering away, holding on to it. Oh, I'm going to hold on to it until they tell me they're, they're sorry. And what happens is you're withering away in your spirit man, in your, in your physical body, and, and while you're waiting for someone to say something to you. And what happens is, is Christ is like, you know, if you let that go, if you, if you release them from the, the issue that they had, it will allow the living waters inside of you to flow back up. It will allow you to refresh you, to bring life to you. And I love this. I was thinking about this, and I, I finished this up. Um, God gave me this last night, and it's John 5. All right, let me get there real quick here. So, John 5. And... This is Jesus, and he's at the, um, the pool in Bethesda. And he says to the man, he says, why are you here? And this is where they would bring all crippled people, because what would happen is an angel would come down daily and stir up the pool. And the first person who could get to the pool was then healed of everything that they ever had. So they would bring crippled people there. Crippled people would lay there hoping to be the first one to get a finger in the pool or, or get a hand in the pool or whatever it was. However, it, I don't know how the, the whole rules and regulations of it worked, but whoever got to the pool first was healed. 
So, verse 5. The one who was there was an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Jesus said, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. So then he moves on, verse 11, it says, Then the Jewish leader saw the man and said, Why are you carrying your mat on the Sabbath? And he said, The man who made me well said, Pick up your mat and walk. Jesus, if you look at a lot of Scripture when he was healing someone, he would say, Be healed and go and sin no more. But he, he didn't say that to this gentleman. He said, pick up your mat and walk. He said, pick up, get up and be whole. Is what, basically what he's saying. Be healed. Be complete. Don't be an invalid anymore. Legs function. Spine function. Ankles function. So Jesus says, get up off your mat and walk. We need to get up off of the mat of bitterness and offense, and rise, and walk, and sin no more. The man could have sat on his mat for the, he was 30, it says 38 years he was that way. So I don't know if this guy was 38 years old, or I'm guessing he was older because he probably got injured at one point, maybe as a child or as a man. He could have been in his 60s, I don't know. But Jesus said, get up and walk. Take up your mat and walk. So, we need to take up our mat, take the, 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 the mat of bitterness and, and offense and say, you know what, I don't need this mat anymore. I can walk. I'm whole. I'm healthy. I'm not hurt. I'm not injured anymore. I'm recovered. I'm recovering. It may not be right now that you can take up your mat and walk. But it might be a month from now, a year from now, that God says, you know what, You're, you've recovered. It's time for you to, to, to move on. But, and don't let people who say, well, why are you carrying that mat around? Well, you need, that mat's for sitting on. No, you, when people say, oh, well, you know what? They did that back. You remember when they did that to you? Well, I'm getting, uh, quite, Jesus is getting me over this. I'm growing past this. Well, no, they, that, that mat, remember what they took? You need to go sit back on that mat. Take that mat, smack him in the face and say, no, I will not. So that, that we have a choice. We are hurt we have a choice to either sit in that hurt and let it grow into a, a offense and bitterness and anger and hatred, or we can say, you know what? I'm going to do what the man at the well or at the, the pool did and get up and walk because I am not hurt. I'm not injured. I am recovered because Christ is the healer, not only of our, our physical bodies, our, our brokenness in our bodies, but he, in our heart, in our mental. He's saying, get up off your mat and walk because this mat of bitterness, this mat of anger and hatred is not going to do anything for you. It's going to keep you at the, at the pool going, I hope I, can get, I hope I can get recover. I hope I can recover. The man couldn't drag himself quick enough to get to the pool. But if we allow Christ the healer to come in and say, you know what, I'm going to heal you. You are being healed. You are now recovering. You are now fully healed. That mat of bitterness, we can leave it lie. 
We can get up and walk and leave it and say, you know what, I don't need that mat anymore because Christ has healed me. And I believe that, you know, in our lives, there, there's, there's roots of bitterness and roots of anger and offense that are in all of our lives that we need Christ to come in and heal and start to weed out and start to pull out and say, you know, you know it, it, it's, it's time for this. You don't, you don't go into your garden every year and just throw some seeds on the top of the ground and say, okay, well, hopefully they'll, they'll go in a couple inches and, and they'll sprout up and on all this grass and weeds that are in there right now won't choke it out. We take up the weeds, we, we rip out the things that are causing our gar- that would cause our garden to not grow, that would cause our crops to be choked out, to be, to be uh, pushed off, to be um, in the shade when they're supposed to get full sun. We, we rip those out, we till up the ground, we pull out what ne- doesn't need to be there. We need to allow Christ to pull that out of us. Pull out the hurt, pull out the offense, pull out the bitterness that is in us because he's saying, you know what, I want to plant something in you, but I can't do it when all the weeds of anger and bitterness are inside of you. They choke out what is planted in you. Let's pray.